I'm reading out of Mark chapter 2 this morning, verse 23. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields as they made their way. His disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you ever read what David did? And when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. And this story is also written in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had, if you had known what this means... I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Thank you, Carrie. The word of the Lord, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord has just been really like doing some incredible things in my heart, and right when I always think I have something nailed down, he he gives me a different methodology or a different way of presenting. And so I'm going to present to you something in a different way. You know, our text has been, um, our, our book that we've been in has been Mark. And I told you from the very beginning that what we would do is um, that we would go back and forth in the Gospels where there are comparative texts. And, you know, I also mentioned to you that Mark writes like a, a, a a CNN headline news reporter, like on the scene, he gives you the headlines. Sometimes he spares you the details. Well, we're going to look um, at uh, what Mark's gospel, or what Matthew's gospel uh, says about the same story of Jesus and his confrontation of the Pharisees about their behavior, their habits regarding the Sabbath. So we're going to we're going to work out of the book of Matthew today, Matthew chapter 12, what Carrie just read. <clears throat> so we're in, I think, our ninth week now in the, through our study in the book of Mark. And um, I found this passage, I had a lot of fun with this passage. I found it really, really interesting. So I want, this is what I have in my hand is a wicker basket. And um, nothing special about this basket. Um, just it's a wicker basket. Um, I don't even know where this basket came from, actually. I asked my wife where this basket came from. She doesn't even know where this came from. It's just, it's a wicker basket. Wicker's interesting because wicker is made up of, of, of plant material, and the original wicker, the weaving of wicker, goes way back, several centuries. And, and wicker is interesting because it can, you can weave wicker from plant stems, 
um, shoots, branches, twigs, you name it. You can weave it. And when you weave wicker, um, you can make beautiful things out of it. You can make, um, like, for example, this basket. People have wicker furniture. People have wicker, like, blinds. There's wicker nightstands, wicker magazine racks. I mean, wicker, you can make anything. You can make wicker out of anything. Listen, I, I didn't even realize how much wicker I had in my house. You don't even think about it. Until you look around and, you know, there's something that grabs your attention. The Lord has you use an illustration like this. I have a lot of wicker in my house. But um, I'll just put this basket here because it's going to serve us well today. This week, on Wednesday, um, Pelzetta and I try to go out every Wednesday for lunch. And, you know, over our lunch hour, we, we try to discuss things that we normally don't have enough time during the week to communicate about. And so this week, we... We decided we'd go to lunch, um, and we would go to this place that has these bomb diggity chef salads, man. You guys know what bomb diggity is? Okay. <laughs> okay, bomb diggity means like really, really good. Like, you know, kind of like explode in your mouth kind of chef salads, right? Okay, well, so, so, so we were going to this restaurant because they have the bomb diggity. Everybody say bomb diggity. I'm going to learn y'all after a while. <laughs> Chef Salas, so we get there to the restaurant, and, and you know, I'm used to this, to this waitress. I won't even, if I, if I say the name, you probably know her, and, and it'll ruin my story, so I got to keep the name. So we get to the restaurant, and we get this waitress we've never seen before, and she sits us down at the table, and she comes up, she brings our drinks, and she says, so, um, so do you know what you want today? And we say, yes, we want the, I started to say, bomb diggity Chef Salad. But she probably wouldn't know what I was talking about. But, uh, but we said, yeah, we want the chef salad. And she said, cool. So she took our order. And she came back to the table a few minutes later with this little bitty wicker basket about, I mean, it couldn't have been no more than about this big. And there was nothing special about this wicker basket. It had, it was like a real dark brown. It was really neatly woven. There was nothing really special about it, right? So she sits it down on the table with these, with the crackers, you know, because when you have a chef salad, you have to have crackers that go in your chef, your chef salad. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, so we have the, some of y'all don't like crackers in your chef salad? What's up with that? So, we, so we, we've got this basket full of crackers, and, and, you know, we're ripping the crackers and getting ready for the, for the salad to come. She brings the salad back, and we dive into the salad, and it is all that I was hoping that it would be. You know, the pastor loved to eat, right? I love to eat. So we're diving into the salad, and all of a sudden, this waitress comes back to the table, and she reaches down, and she grabs the wicker basket, and she pulls it off the table, and the crackers just spread all over the table, and she gets ready to run away, and she turns around, and she just starts laughing. And she says, I'll be right back. I know you don't understand. It's kind of like an inside joke, but I'll be right back. And she puts, she puts the, the wicker basket in her pocket, and she walks away. She's walking towards the back of the restaurant. Now, you know, me, I'm just in the moment, so I'm keeping my, my head straight and just continuing to eat. But my wife, she was like, what in the world? <laughs> she leaned over the side of the table, and you could hear as she approached the back, 
that there was a commotion going on. There was elevated voices there. And what was happening was, was the other waitress that was that the one that we were used to, she was back in the back. The waitress that was serving us was heading back to the back. The, the chef had come out of the kitchen. He was headed back to the back. And the manager had quit managing, and she was back in the back. And they were all meeting. They were all talking. All of a sudden, they started laughing. And then everybody went back to work. So now we're really curious. So, uh, so a few minutes later, the, the lady walks back up and she says, she said, listen, she says, I'm, I'm new. She said, I'll tell you what this was all about. She said, that little wicker basket has become a staple of this restaurant. She said, in that little wicker basket, it's, it's, it's set in this customary place forever. And what happened is, what happens is as the day unfolds and they put these invoices in this basket, the manager comes out of the back and pulls the invoices out of the wicker basket. And the manager came out and the wicker basket was gone and it shut the place down. <laughs> One wicker basket. And so, and so Connie, we remember, oh, I just said her name, didn't I? She's going back there. She's like, I found the wicker basket. Everybody's like, ha, ha, ha. And that's when they split, right? A simple wicker basket. Hmm. A little wicker basket had become so tied to the custom of the restaurant that in that moment, the custom of that wicker basket took priority over the customers who had a need. <laughs> I had my side. I don't know what everybody else is doing. I was... But the customers were there to be served. They had a need. But that custom took priority over the customer. The thing that was made to serve the restaurant now had the restaurant serving it. That experience reminded me today of our text. The Pharisees, you see, the tradition keepers, the upholders of the law, had taken the, the, the tradition of Sabbath and they had turned it into a twisted wicker basket. A beautiful thing that God had created to serve man. Now, the Pharisees had man serving it. It was backwards. Anything that's created for us, that somehow we end up serving it, becomes a twisted wicker basket. I have a Taken for a title today, Overruled. Overruled. And here's, here's why I took that title, because it really speaks to two different things. First, when Jesus broke into humanity, it was, as a, it was at a time where people were being overwhelmed by the rules that, that the Pharisees had created, man-made rules. They were being overruled. Jesus didn't play that. 
But I'd say this, Jesus didn't come into, into the world to break the law. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us that Jesus was the giver of the law. He was the law giver. Jesus didn't come to break the law, but Jesus came to break man-made rules that were enacted for the sake of maintaining man-made traditions, religious traditions. That's why he came. Everything that God has created, everything that God has created is to serve his glory. Everything that he has created is created with us in mind. It's about, it's, it's created so that we can learn how to, through what he's created, press deeper into relationship with God. Everything that he's created is about relationship. So God wants us to press deeper into relationship with him, with our brothers and our sisters, and others in the world. And so here's the key takeaway that I want you to remember. If you don't remember anything else about this message, I want you to remember this. That Jesus Christ, the servant king, wants us to always prioritize relationships over rules. That Jesus Christ, our servant king, always wants us to prioritize relationships over rules. Let's, let's talk about Sabbath, because that's what this passage really is about. Let's talk about Sabbath. We're going to talk about why it was created, what its original intent was, and what its application is for us today. The Sabbath. To the Pharisees, the Sabbath had become more about the letter of the law and less about the essence or the spirit of the law. And Jesus really, he really nails it at the end of our, of our text today in verse 27 when he says, listen, he makes this statement, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So let's talk about Sabbath for a few minutes. And so to do that, what I want to do and what I need to do is take you all the way back to the beginning where we see how Sabbath originated. Okay, you guys with me? I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. We're going to spend a lot of time running over um, passages of Scripture from the Old Testament that is spoken of in our text today so that by the time we get through our text, I'm hoping that it just explodes in your mind. Genesis chapter 1. I said uh, chapter 2, didn't I? Well, if you was flown in the Holy Ghost, you would know that I meant chapter 1. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> Okay, okay. Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 31, all right? <clears throat> beginning at verse 31. God had created the heavens and the earth in six days. Everything that he made was good. On the sixth day, he creates man. And he says, oh, man, crown jewel, that's very good. Let's pick it up in verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning on the sixth day. Remember that, because I'm going to come back to that. And thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. 
And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. God rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. The seventh day became the Sabbath. God blessed it. He sanctioned it. He made it holy. Did I get that far? I don't think it's in this text. Maybe it is. Let me see. Oh. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So God blessed the seventh day. He made it holy. That word holy means set apart. It means unique, special. He made it holy. And then he tells us, I want you to remember the seventh day, the Sabbath day, and I want you to keep it holy. Let's take a look at that. It's in the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 8. So flip over to your right. To your right? Yeah. Flip over to your right to Exodus chapter 20 because we're going to read that too. Now remember, I'm setting you up for something here. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Exodus chapter 20, are you there? Drop down to verse 8. You know, Tom, can you turn me down a little bit? I feel like I'm roasting up here. It's hot. So check this out. I love, I love that, our, our, that we are LifeSpring Bible Church, right? Because then I can challenge you to navigate your Bible on Sunday morning. We get so lazy about navigating our Bible. But this is how they used to do it in the old school days. Pauline says she's lazy. She got an iPhone. I'm going to talk about iPhones in a minute. <laughs> verse 8, are you there? Chapter 20, verse 8. Exodus, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, now listen to this, man. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. And therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The Jewish Sabbath begins on, the, on Friday evening, on, at sundown on Friday evening, all the way through sundown on Saturday evening. And the intent of Sabbath for God's people was to be an intentional time of refraining from work, an intentional time of rest and relaxation and refreshment. It was supposed to be set aside for a time of recreation and, and, and relationship. Sabbath was meant to be relational, a time to be with family and extended family. Sabbath was meant to be a time of praying and playing. Everybody say praying, praying. and playing. Yeah, see, so, so Sabbath was, was set aside so that we could recreate, so we could recreate. Sabbath was set aside so that, so that we would cease from our labor and, and, and take it easy. You know, 
I, I've taught this before. I get excited about this stuff because, you know, the Bible says in the evening and the morning was day one, two, three, four, five, six. But you don't see it saying that in the evening and the morning was the seventh day. And remember, the first thing that man saw God do after God created him on the sixth day and the evening and the morning was on the seventh day, the Sabbath, man hung out with God. Rest is important, man. You know, we live these ultra-super busy lives. I was thinking this morning, as I was up before the Lord, I don't know how this hit me. It's not on my notes, but I'm just going to share it with you. I dare you. I dare you. I double, I double dog dare you. To cut your phone off for three days. Three. Let me, let me see all those who, who believe that they can do it. Let me raise your hand. Raise, okay. Okay, so now keep your hand up if you are willing to do it. Okay, why don't I want y'all to report back to me next week how that went. <laughs> Jackie said, let us know that too, because I'm, I'm the one that's probably going to be trying to get a hold of you. No, 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 man. See, listen, listen, listen. The Sabbath was made for a time of setting aside of, of getting alone with God, of resting and, and praying, hearing from him and being with family. The, seventh was, the Sabbath was about relationship, man. Okay, so I have a Sabbath. How many of y'all knew that? See, the pastor practices what he preaches. Those that are closest to me know that I have a Sabbath. I fight for my Sabbath. I fight for it, man, because there are all these, these things that vie for, for, the, for my time on my Sabbath. I fight for it. And I'll tell you this. Most of the time, if you call me on Friday, okay, let me back up. See, because my Sabbath is from, from the time I get off work on Thursday. You know, I, I'm winding down. And so Thursday evening all the way through Friday evening, Saturday morning is my Sabbath, man. And I'm not playing when it comes to my Sabbath. I've been, we've been practicing on and off for years. And I say on and off because check this out. Because, because when, I'm, when it's off, it's because I've allowed something to creep into that time. Things can creep into your Sabbath. You have to guard it and you have to fight for it and not about it. And I'm challenging you, if you don't have a Sabbath, establish a Sabbath. If you're married, establish a Sabbath with your, with your spouse. It will serve you well and then use it for its intended purpose. Okay, so I fight for my Sabbath. Thursday evening, Friday, all the way to Saturday morning. If you call me, I might not answer probably won't because that's the time that I spend with my wife, my family, and alone with God. It's important. So I want to challenge you to get a Sabbath. A couple things about Sabbath that I want you to know, though. To show that Sabbath was more about relationship and less about rules, not everyone in the Old Testament was required to rest on the Sabbath. See, the priests were appointed by God to work on the Sabbath on the behalf of the people. See, the priests were the, the relational connection between God and man. 
The priest were, was, was the relational conduit between God and the spiritual conduit between God and man. So the priest was required to work on the Sabbath. Numbers chapter 28, beginning at verse 9, verse 9 and 10, it says that the priest had a job. On the Sabbath day of each week, the priest was required to go into the temple. He had to take with him two blemishless male lambs, a one-year-old, and he had to offer them as an offering in addition to the grain offering and the drink offering that was to be offered as well. It was done on the Sabbath. Also on the Sabbath, the priest was responsible to see that the bread of the presence was replaced in the tabernacle. The bread of the presence was situated in the holy place in the tabernacle. It sat on a, a golden table. And, and the, the, the offering of the bread of presence was considered to be the holiest offering of all of the offerings. And here's how it worked. Every Sabbath day, the priest would, would take 12 loaves of freshly baked bread and he'd set them out on the table. He'd take the loaves and he'd divide them into two stacks. <laughs> two. And listen, my research tells me that each loaf consisted of about six pints of flour and weighed approximately six pounds. Yeah, and it's like, it's like five hand breasts wide and five hand breasts long, so that rascal was about like this. Six pounds of bread, man. That's a lot of dough. <laughs> I'm just saying. And here's the deal. The act of the priest placing the bread on the table represented the acknowledgement of the people of their total reliance on God's presence and his provision. And only the priest and his sons were allowed to eat the, the bread of the presence, and it had to be eaten in the temple. These are important points, man. It's leading us into our text today. I want you to pay attention. Eating, 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 eating. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, beginning at verse 25, one of the laws of the land, Deuteronomy is, is one of the books of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch, it's, it's the law. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 25, says that if you go into a neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the ears with your hand, but you shall not put a sickle to your neighbor's standing grain. That was a law. It was a rule. But relationship ruled the day over the rule. Because what it's saying in essence is that if you are hungry, you have the right to walk through your neighbor's grain field, pluck the grain, and eat it as long as you're only eating it to get full and you're not trying to, like, you know, load up your bag for your family. I would imagine the reason why that, that rule was made because there must have been some greedy people back in the Bible like there are today. So the rule, the law was established. You just couldn't harvest it with the sickle. So now that brings us to our text today. I laid all that out for you so that I can get to the text today. So hopefully these things will make sense as you hear Jesus speaking. 
Matthew chapter 12. Flip back there. We're going to breeze through this text unless the Holy Spirit stops me. Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, says that Jesus and his disciples were walking through the grains, through the fields of grain. And it was on a Sabbath. And his disciples were hungry. And so they begin to pluck the heads of grain to eat. And remember, I just read to you that that wasn't illegal. It was okay for them to do that as long as they were eating to get full. And remember, Eric spoke to you last week, and he talked about fasting. I think it's quite possible they may have been coming off a fast, and those brothers were hungry. So they're walking through the grain field, and they're plucking off ears of grain. And, 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 and they're getting ready to eat them because they're hungry. And, they're, and I would imagine, I would imagine, that, that they're walking through the grain field and they're plucking the grain and they're, and they're eating it. And Luke chapter 6 tells us that as they were plucking out the grain, they were rubbing it through their hands like this. And watch this now. Wow, this is amazing to me. The Pharisees got upset because they considered the plucking reaping. They considered the rubbing threshing. They considered the blowing of the chaff winnowing. And so they're following the disciples who are probably walking with Jesus. Because you know if you're walking with Jesus, you're like, hey. You know. So I'm with Jesus, you know. So, so they're walking with Jesus, and they pluck. They see Jesus do it, so they're plucking one off. You know, they're walking, winnowing. And, and, the, and the Pharisees, they were like, they're walking like this. Because you know they had to have that religious thing going on, right? So, so, so look what they said. They said, look, Jesus, look. Your boys are ripping off heads of wheat, and they are working. Your disciples are working on the Sabbath, and that's unlawful. But listen, that wasn't unlawful, remember, because I just got done showing you in, in Deuteronomy that it was, it was part of their culture. They could do that. So you know, what there were, you know what's going on right there? A twisted wicker basket of tradition, a man-made rule that had become the law. So Jesus sets them straight. There's four things that, that emerge out of this text when Jesus speaks. He says, first, he says, have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those that were with him, how he entered into the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only the priest? That's the first thing. So here's what Jesus was saying. I'll give you some context here. He's talking about David, King David. King David. I'd say King David. He says King David. So King David... Uh, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 21, was running from King Saul. But he wasn't King David at the time. He'd been, he'd been anointed to be king, but he hadn't taken over to be king yet. So he was like a King David in the making, right? So, so he's, running from, he's running from Saul, right? And he goes up to this community that's north of Nob that was a community of priests. And he shows up there, and the Bible says that the priest, Ahimelech, comes out and meets David, and he sees that David is by himself, and he's got some concerns, man. Because, and, and I think, based on what my research shows me, is that he has some concerns because two chapters prior, Saul, looking for David, had gone into another community and wrecked the place, trying to find David. So now David shows up. 
Ahimelech comes out. He said, man, what you doing here, man? Why are you by yourself? And David tells him, says, listen, man, Saul has sent me on a mission. He lies to him. But here's the point. He says, I'm hungry, man. Me and my, me and my, me and my boys, we're hungry. Can you give us something to eat? And the priest goes into the temple because it was the Sabbath. It was his day to go and take the bread and exchange it. He takes and he gives the loaves of bread that were on the table to David so that David could eat. Why? Because at that point it was more about the needs of the person than it was the rules and the regulations to abide by. Remember my point? Our Lord Jesus always wants us to be more concerned about the needs of people than the rules that will keep us from ministering to those needs. You guys still with me? I'm going to wrap it up a little bit. If I was in the black church, I'd say, I'm getting ready to close. <laughs> Yes, I am. <laughs> so somewhere between I'm getting ready to, somewhere between I'm getting ready to close and I'm getting ready to close, that's where I am because we have a multicultural church. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying. Okay. Where was I? Oh. Okay. <laughs> Again, somebody say, you're getting ready to close, Pastor. <laughs> Never you mind. We, listen, we're not abiding by the rules this Sunday. <laughs> That's right. Verse 5, chapter 12. Have you not read in the law how the, on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? Remember, I took you back to the passage of Scripture where the priest's job, their role was to work on the Sabbath, and it was not illegal. It wasn't against the law, and Jesus is pointing that out. And then he says this, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And remember, Eric was telling you last week, and I think I told you the week before, here's Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnate, standing right there in front of them, and they can't even see them because they are so bent on keeping the rules. There are people that God wants to send us to and wants to send to us, and if we're not careful, we won't even see them because we are so bent on keeping the rules of relationship as we know them, as we have been taught them in the traditional church. That's a real good place to say amen. amen. I just wanted to make sure you guys were with me. And then Jesus makes this statement. It's out of Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. He says, if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. Why? Because the Son of Man, I am here now, and I am Lord over the Sabbath. I am Lord of the Sabbath. He's here. Here's the point. I've created the Sabbath to serve you and not the other way around. There are rules that were made to, to, to 
press you deeper into relationship with me, not for the rules' sake, for relationship's sake. Paul writes for us in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. And Mitch, if you'd come to the piano, we're about to wrap it up. I'm getting ready to close. Paul says this, the rules are, are the shadow of things to come. He says the only thing of any lasting substance is found in our relationship, not the rules, but our relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is inviting each of us today to quit trying to hold on to our twisted wicker baskets of rules just long enough to see that he is right here with a better way of doing things, his way. And if we'll just press into relationship with him, he's promised that no matter what needs we have, physical, spiritual, emotional, psychological, he can meet those needs because in Christ, he's greater a greater than David is here. A greater than the temple is here. A greater than the, than the bread of presence has come into our lives. Jesus makes this statement in John chapter 6, verse 48, and then verse 51. He says, I am the bread of life. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. What he's offering is lasting what he's offering is eternal. Rules and regulations are temporary. Relationship with Jesus is eternal. So let me close by asking you this, because I stated this earlier. I said I, I began looking around my house, my house, my house, and I didn't realize just how much wicker I had in my house. I looked at my spiritual house and, and I didn't realize that I had some wicker, I had some twisted wicker baskets in my spiritual house. I want you to stand to your feet. What's in your house? What's God saying to you about, what's he saying to you right now about obeying the rules and the rules pressing you further away from relationship with maybe someone that he's called you to be in relationship with, but something about their life has graded against your religious rules and God is saying, stop it. Get over it. My desire is for you to always prioritize relationship, eternal relationship over anything that will keep you from that. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't want to assume anything. Maybe you're here today and you've never embraced Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and you don't know what that relationship looks like. 
Maybe, maybe like me, you were born and raised in the church. And, and so, you know, the church is what you knew and the church is where you found your salvation and you found yourself doing what the church said, but you never really pressed into relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never embraced him as Lord and Savior. Today is your day. You do not have to leave outside of relationship with Jesus Christ. So if that's you here today, I just want you to pray this simple prayer. You don't have to say it out loud, but you have to mean it from your heart. Lord Jesus, I, I invite you into, into my life today. I, I have stayed away from you. There have been things that's kept me away from you. But now I come to you. I surrender my life to you. And I'm asking you to help me to press more deeply into relationship with you. Maybe you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And something that the Lord has said through me today has caused you to realize that, yeah, man, you know, I've got some twisted wicker baskets of rules and traditions in my life that the Lord wants to rid me of. There's one word one word that will cause you to press deeper into relationship with Jesus, and that's repentance. Right now, right where you're at. Surrender that thing to Jesus. And as you do, Lord, I'm praying that you will give each person that's made the decision to drop the rules in favor of real, rich relationship with you, the wisdom on what that looks like. Replace the ungodly things with your presence, I pray. In Jesus' name.